You're listening to the Co-op Book Podcast. Yes, I'd like to welcome Bernice Barry to the Co-op Chat. Hello, Bernice. Hello, Rob, and thank you for inviting me. Now, we're, uh, we're talking about your, your book, a bit of a tour de force, in fact. Uh, it's a biography of Georgina Malloy, The Mind That Shines. Um, yes. T- tell me about Georgina Malloy. Well, she was uh, she was Georgiana, um, and she um, yeah a very kind of um, English version of the name I think. Um, she was uh, one of the first settlers in the region where I live, in the far southwest of Western Australia, and uh, she arrived with a few other families in uh, 1830. She came from what was really a very privileged background, although I found that there were some um, some darker and more difficult sides to her early life. But she arrived here and for the first 10 years of her life here, she had a very difficult and tragic time. She basically went from being part of the rich set in Britain to being a farmhand. And for several years, the family were nearly starving. She lost a number of children in tragic circumstances, but she had always been very interested in botany and horticulture. And she taught herself to become a very, very skilled botanical collector, so much so that she became more skilled than the professionals who were doing the job at the time, uh, who were men, mainly. (laughs) Um, So that was unusual as well. And um, today, the specimens that she collected are, uh, are archived in some of the biggest and most important herbaria in the world. And they did a lot... Um, and still are doing a lot to help botanists to learn more about the amazing indigenous flora that we have in Western Australia. I'd imagine uh, Southwestern Australia, both, you know, when she was around in the 1900s and as well as, uh, you know, now, is quite a rough uh, foreboding place. Yes, um, I've been asked a few times, you know, whether life was dangerous for her, for for them, for the children. And um, it certainly was. I mean, in comparison with what we would think of as a difficult, a difficult life now, there were, there were other dangers. There was, um, in her diaries, there was a period of about two or three days in a row where a whole series of accidents happened that um, simply probably wouldn't occur now. There was um, uh, one, of the, one of the small children swallowed some little copper caps that her husband had been using um, as, as, part of the, um, as part of the firing mechanisms in, in a gun for hunting. And the little boy had swallowed these things that were poisonous and they didn't even know until he started being sick. And then the next day, one of the small children, she said, um, baby fell through the floor. Um, I'm not quite sure what happened there, but maybe through the the decking or something. And then uh, soon after that, her only son, who was 18 months old, fell down the well 
and drowned. The well was only slightly taller than the, than the child. And when they took him out, he was still breathing. But there was no doctor available. And she held him and simply didn't know what to do. She didn't know how to revive him. And that was the second time that a child had died in her arms. So um, life was very dangerous in, in, in all the usual ways, but with additional horrors <laughs> um, every day for them. Mm. Oh, I mean, it sounds absolutely traumatic what you've described. It was. <laughs> uh, now, you know, it's hard to, to uh, get past like, is there some parallel with your experience immigrating to, you know, from the UK to Southwestern Australia and her experience living there? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, that's that's a good question. Um, because yes, I think there are. I, when when I talk to people who've read the book, it's interesting that uh, so many people from so many different walks of life find some connection in her story that's very meaningful and personal to them. Um, and that was certainly true for me as well. And for me, it was, it was the obvious things really that, um, <clears throat> I had emigrated straight to this part of Western Australia from the UK. I came straight here down to the Southwest. We also had to clear a little piece of land to build our home. Uh, I started having moved from a city. I started trying to create an, a native garden, a garden of indigenous um, plants from scratch in, in the bush, uh, in a very similar kind of um, habitat to, to where Georgiana was first living. So I began to experience the same things of, you know, what gets eaten by the kangaroos and the possums, what just won't grow in this sandy soil, what grows really well, what's indigenous to this region, what isn't, what gets destroyed by the parrots, um, how to protect the plants from the various different things that happen to them in, in a natural way. Um, and also, my husband, um, fairly soon after we arrived, my husband had to go away to work. He actually had to go back, back to the UK for a couple of years. So I was here on my own as she was at night in the dark with the very, you know, no ambient light, no street lights, no, no light from the town. Um, I had to learn how to light a fire. My first fire, I remember, I used 13 fire lighters. <laughs> um, so there were many obvious parallels. And then as I began doing mm. more and more research, I found that there were much more personal parallels as well, which kind of maintained my momentum for all those years. There were things to do with her childhood that hadn't been known before, things to do with her relationship with her siblings and her parents. And those became um, incredibly personal for me. And I think sometimes people say that they can sense that when they read the book, they can sense that it wasn't just me finding out about someone who was a, a local settler, that they can tell that there was more to it. A lot of people talk about the passion, <laughs> uh, and that certainly was there, yes. It was a very, very personal, a web of personal connections. Mm. That the, was a long answer, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're the best ones, because I think you, are, you, you come to the point. It sounds like uh, the research process was very intense then. How long did it take you to sort of gather all your information? 
Well, to begin with, there wasn't any thought at all about writing a book. I was just fascinated. I love research. I've got that kind of um, that kind of brain. I just, you know, if I get interested in something, um, friends in the past have said that when I get interested on a topic, I, be, I just turn into a Rottweiler and I just go for it. You know, I forget to eat. I, I forget what the time is. But um, to begin with, it was just a matter of... Uh, trying to find out there were there were a couple of things at the very beginning that came up that were mysteries and that was really what hooked me I found that I'd read a biography that was written about her about 20 years or so ago and I began to to notice things that didn't match up that didn't seem to fit with the person being described in the books that I was reading and the websites I was looking at um, so there were those mysteries and then uh, as I went on the, the research process itself really went on for about 10 years uh, and I began to I realized I'd collected so much new material and that there was a story there about her which was certainly for the first part of her life was really rather different and the story of her husband's life as well was completely different uh, from what most people thought about her, what most people thought that they knew about her and I wanted to kind of set that right and I also realized that this massive material, a lot of the connections there were just in my head and you know URL links that I'd saved on the computer and I thought I really do need to try and put it together in some format so that that those research findings can be can be passed on and be useful to researchers in the future because I I benefited so much from research that other people had done in so many ways uh, that I wanted to make sure that wasn't lost and then I realized probably the best way was to try and just write it down. Um, then it took me about a year to work out how to do that, <laughs> um, how, to, how to put 10 years of research into something like a book. Um, the, writing the book, the first draft, took about a year. But um, it, it took that long because as I was writing, I had to carry on doing the research because as I was writing, another question would pop up and I'd think, I wonder if I can find the answer to that. And then I'd spend a couple of days researching before I'd go back to the writing. Another long answer, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, they're, they're, as I said, they're always the best. We Imagine if we had like some magic mechanism to either bring uh, Georgiana forward in time or you back in time to have a, a chat with her. What would you ask her? Oh, no one's ever asked me that question. That's a brilliant question. Uh, just a very, just like one question. Um, uh, well, what would you want to say to her? What, like, what, what, what mysteries are still left for you to... I, well, the first thing I'd want to do, I think, is to thank her for all the writing that she did and to, to just say how important that was for, um, for, for passing on um, an understanding of what it was like to, to be a settler in this region uh, uh, at that time. And I'd also want to thank her for the amazing work that she did at such personal expense. She gave up so much in her own life in order to do that botanical work. Um, I'd certainly want to ask her about her father, how she felt about him. I'd also want to ask her 
if she felt able to tell me exactly what it was that her sister Eliza did that she found so terribly shocking on that day when she burst into the room and witnessed some scene that was so shocking. I would really like to know what, what that was, but maybe that would be too personal and she'd refuse to answer. Well, <laughs> I think I'd also ask her to talk to me about her husband, John Malloy, uh, because he was in many ways as interesting to me as she was in, in the research. I think he was an amazing man and I'd, I'd like to know if he really was the the hero that that I you know that I think of him as I'd like to know about their relationship. Mm. Now, what a great question! <laughs> no, I'll, I'll take that. But as you know, um, many of our listeners are at university or um, you know just finished university through the car bookstore. What was uh, uni like for yourself? Um, it was uh, well, actually, it was a long time ago. It was from 1971 to 1974, so you can kind of work out how old I am. But um, I actually remember it as quite a difficult time. Um, I was in a situation where I'd moved a very long way from home. I'd moved to London as a student, partly because I was very young and I thought it would be exciting to be in London, to move from the country, from the southwest, living by the ocean to the big city. And I thought that would be exciting. And it was a difficult time then because um, there wasn't really anywhere very easy for students to live. And I lived in some... Uh, pretty horrendous uh, situations. I'd get woken up in the night. I lived in one little tiny room and I'd get woken up in the night by the mice running over my bed and I'd put traps down and the traps would go off so then I'd sleep with the lights on and the mice would still come and run over the bed. So it was actually a difficult time in, um, in every respect apart from the learning. And the learning, I just remember it as completely magical because I was studying the things that I was most interested in. I was um, I was doing a, a new course. It was a kind of experimental course where instead of doing just honours in English, which is what I probably would have done, or doing um, two subjects, which would have been for me English and Spanish, probably, they were, London University were trying out a new course called a general degree where you could do three subjects. So I was able to carry on doing English, French and Spanish. And um, basically I was completely immersed in literature in several different languages over the periods that I was interested in. So I was learning about 19th century literature, which was always a passion. One of the reasons I was interested in Georgiana's story as well. But I was also reading uh, 17th century Spanish poetry and having lectures in Spanish, which, um, you know, if you're learning a language and you're learning the literature of, of a different country, to experience the language, is, to experience the literature in the original language is... Uh, magical and immersive. <laughs> so um, in that respect, it was an absolutely wonderful time. I have amazing <clears throat> memories of particular lecturers. Mm. Well, uh, look, I, I hope that our listeners are not, uh, you know, dealing with uh, rodents nice. over there. <laughs> um, 
I really appreciate your time, Bernice. I think for anyone that hasn't uh, had a chance, uh, drop onto the co-op website and get a copy of Georgiana Malloy um, or in the co-op bookstores on every campus in the country. Thank you for your insights, and it's a pleasure to speak to someone from one of the far corners of our country. The far southwest, yeah. It's a wonderful place. Come and visit us. It's very beautiful, and you'll see why Georgiana loved it so much. 